Hello and welcome to the 15th episode of India Colonized, a podcast where we unravel our colonial roots through stories and legends. Our podcast explores untraversed fields of our past that constantly shape our world. I'm your host, Umar Haq, and today we will be talking about the railways, one of the most embodied facets of English colonialism in India. The railways aptly called as India's nervous system was aimed to serve a different purpose than it does today. This topic has been broken down into two segments to help cover the subject better. The first time a railway was proposed in India was in 1832 in Madras, and it took 5 years for the Red Hill Railway to make its first run. Built by the knighted engineer and general sir author cotton the rail was constructed between red hills to chintadri pet and to be used for carrying laterate stone from construction sites to other places the madras railway was incorporated in 1845 and in 1852 it was made into madras guaranteed railway company the guarantee system promised on providing free land and a guaranteed 5% rate of return to british companies who were willing to invest in building of these railways however the first passenger railway was built from bombay's bori bandar station to thane and was constructed and operated by the great indian peninsula railway dedicated by lord dalhousie the rail was hauled by three steam locomotives these locomotives were named sahib sindh and sultan the train traveled for 30 kilometers and could carry somewhere around 400 people it was built on a broad gauge which was as broad as 5 feet 6 inches which even to this day remains india's standard for the railway in terms of material and design it is surprising to know the indian railways during its growth in the colonial era was far more superior than the ones in united states From 1860 onwards, British India possessed seven most extensive rail networks in the world. The rail in India were of the finest quality and expensive to lay, whereas in contrast, the rails in US were of low cost and mass produced. In the early decades of the railroad development, British India imported not only the necessary manufacturing goods but also technical expertise from Britain. This ensured a state-of-art network in the subcontinent and goods such as rails, sleepers, prefabricated bridges, locomotive engines and all of these were brought from England. Although Indian workshop began to emerge at the end of 19th century British manufacturers remained the primary suppliers of the industrial goods Between 1850 to 1940 more than 14000 British locomotives were sold to colonial Indian government compared to slightly more than 700 that were manufactured in India Indian workshops such as those established in Lahore focused on repair and assembly work for the duration of this period. 
Railway promoters in London argued the military benefits of extensive railway networks. Some suggested a railway route connecting Madras, Calcutta, Delhi and Bombay and connecting all major military posts to reduce the time taken by troops and army in its movement, the ammunition and supplies that were made to these bases. These routes would also spare the European troops the journey of marching through perilous terrain and weather. In India, the government began to see the development of rail as key to the policy of military control and expansion and public administration in the subcontinent. Faced by the pressure both in London and in India, the Court of Directors of East India Company finally agreed. In 1849, they authorized two limited liability companies under the supervision of the East India Company to have the right to build railroads in India. The proposed line would revolutionize the way colonial regime dealt with defensive and offensive military conflicts. According to Kennedy, this line would enable the concentration of troops at any required point in a way that would dramatically increase the military power of the subcontinent. Whereas it took three to four months in the previous system to assemble a field force of 60,000 men with sufficient artillery and provisions at a site of combat, the Great Northwestern Line would hypothetically reduce the mobilization time to a matter of days. Although major decisions regarding railway development in British India had been made by 1857, the railroad lines did not play a significant role in Indian mutiny. When Dalhousie left India in 1856, Thousands of miles were still under construction or in survey. Technical decision as well as bureaucratic friction between East India Company's resident engineers and government consultant engineers slowed down the constructions considerably. Observers of the mutiny such as William H. Russell were conscious of how much of a difference an operation railroad network would have made in reducing the violence and the internal unrest. As the newspaper correspondent remarked in his diary entry, and I quote, One is wary of thinking how much blood, disgrace, misery and horror would have been safe to us if the rail had been but a little longer here, had been at all there, had been completed at another place. It has been a heavy millage of neglect for which we have already paid dearly. Stop quote. During the upheaval, the rebels intentionally targeted railway construction sites as well as existing railroad infrastructures such as stations and bridges. In one of these incidents, the mutineers managed to gain possession of a railroad station and reportedly immediately sought to destroy the stationary locomotives by throwing rocks at them. Such acts of vandalism were frequent and caused serious damage to the railroad development, especially in the northern areas such as Delhi and Kanpur. The mutineers feared the military potential of the railway. 
However, their destructive activities were not motivated by opposition to the rail transportation technology, but rather by strategic interest, general hostility to colonial rule, and widespread frustration towards the economic as well as administrative changes that the British leadership brought about in during mid-19th century. Instead of denouncing the railroad development in the country, the Sibboy-backed rebel Mughal Emperor Bahadur Shah Zafar II proclaimed at the beginning of the mutiny to provide Indian merchants with the government-financed railway tracks and steam locomotives once he would have been restored back to power. Following the rebellion, the opinion that railroads would ensure the internal security of colonial India gained substantial support in Westminster. A parliamentary committee was organized to make railroad development into imperial priority. In holding East India Company responsible for the delays in construction, the committee decided to make legislative reforms that removed the technical and administrative obstacles which prevented the rapid construction of the railroad tracks. Although colonial India had a mere 325 kilometers of railway in 1855, it possessed over 8,000 kilometers in 1870. From 1858 to 59 alone, more tracks were laid than ever before. In 1871, a transcontinental railway network connecting Bombay, Allahabad, Calcutta, Delhi and Madras had also been completed. Thus, driven primarily by Britain's desire to enhance state security in colonial India, the swift and massive railway construction that occurred in turn resulted in the technology becoming more major mode of military transportation on the subcontinent in less than two decades. Historians agree that the technological diffusion from Western Europe to Indian subcontinent had occurred by early 1800s. Many, however, have claimed that the British colonial rule imposed restriction on technological development in South Asia. In the case of Indian Railway Network, historians such as I.N. Ingster and I.N. Derbyshire have asserted that the rigidity of colonial policy caused the railroad construction to be there that motivated industrial development in British India during the late 19th century. These authors, however, have overlooked the apparent paradox between 1. On, on one hand, their claims about the curtailed technological growth and on the other hand, the vast as well as the rapid expansion of advanced railroad technology. The advent of railroads and the expansion of similar services which increased transportation and communication in the state were a part of the historic process that allowed the creation of modern India and the day-to-day -day administration of such vast lands as possible and manageable. In the future episode of Raj and Railway, we will cover the impact of railways on the local populace and also on the agriculture and trade of the subcontinent.
Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We really hope you liked it. If so, please listen to our other episodes that cover a wide range of India's colonial past. Please do subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and family. We are available on all podcast listening platforms and social media sites. Your support really helps us create more amazing content for you. Do visit our website www.indiacolonized.com that is colonized with an s. to check out more of our work we've compiled a list of books and sources too that might intrigue you to explore more on india's modern history so don't forget to dive in and have a look until next time stay safe stay curious